Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What's going on, everybody? Patrick Bear here, and we are back. It is another month of pop culture for us to talk about here on Flame. Oh, no, 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 Celebrate a milestone anniversary with his place of employment and excited about it. Mm. And on the West Coast, we have got Brian. Hello, I work for a company and or group that would never celebrate anything like that. So <laughs> congratulations. And I'm jealous. There you go. We will just keep the names as uh, fictionalized to protect the innocent. <laughs> or the greedy capitalist nature of everything. Either which way, I'm here in the Central Time Zone, and we are here to discuss, disseminate, um, revel in rip-off pod chaser, race chaser. <laughs> Roll. Listen, the dissemination is real. Slather. Listen, I see <laughs> no glamour on this podcast whatsoever. Um, I'll have uh, you know that I've most of my clothes are folded this time around, whereas none of them were last time, and you can't see my nipples. So I'm just glad we're not live streaming this because uh, I mean, <laughs> or, or I, people would enjoy that. I don't know. Hey, uh, for small favors in life. <laughs> Give us a follow I mean, if you want me to put my pants back on. I mean, if you if you stream on Twitch, if you stream without a shirt on from the start, it's okay. You just cannot remove your shirt while you are streaming because <laughs> I, that is a violation of the terms of service. Stripping, it, sir. It makes yes. some sense and is yet so dumb. I love it. Sad part I, is that people would take advantage of it if they could. 
I and don't. That's why they put these rules in place. I don't find like is removing clothes sexy. Like I don't know. I feel like it's to the point to now to where if somebody like starts taking off their clothes slowly, it almost feels like a parody of itself because that was like a big thing in movies back in like I want to say the eighties or nineties where like there was that sexy scene where somebody's taking off their clothes and then it's been parodied so much now that if I if I'm like out at a, at a beach or at a bar and somebody like quote-unquote, seductively, like, takes off a shirt, I start to laugh. Like, it, I giggle. And You're single-handedly dissing an entire art form of burlesque. You just <laughs> have to understand that that is See, a thing that it is wasn't even going burlesque. I was like, have you been to a strip club? Yes. Like, that's, and the I whole, don't... that's the whole point of it. See, burlesque is different. If you're at the supermarket, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> awkward and <laughs> probably you. funny. <laughs> but... <laughs> If you're in an establishment where seductively, tantalizingly teasing your audience is part of the game, then I feel like that's just normal. See, because I, I went to Swinging Richards back when it was open in Atlanta, and I was like, oh, this is kind of hot. And then they started doing the ball tap on the foreheads, and I was like, no, this is not. This is not the horny fun I expected to see here. I don't like that's this. just never sexy. <laughs> just never like <laughs> a little dap, little dip. Little oh. Teabagging is is, is better uh, described and witnessed than I think uh, had done to you. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that's not even teabagging. That's on your forehead. Like, yeah, they're just you like you just in your, if, if you're putting your balls in my mouth. Okay, fine. Oh, I guess. But I, if you just I, walk I, over, and you're like. There's my balls on your forehead. I guess I think teabagging doesn't have to. Okay. I don't know. I guess that makes sense. But I see it all over well, within the yeah, teabagging I mean, space. Like enter into the, <laughs> the mouthful region. <laughs> Those of you listening, tell us tell us like what, yeah. what's sexy about stripping. Just just send that, shoot that off to us. In in just random places. It is sexy in a <laughs> in a strip club, in a burlesque performance. Yes. In a in a in a in a in a in in in, blah, 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 in an environment where it's part of what is supposed to happen, sexy, randomly, not usually sexy. Especially when they don't ask for consent, because that's a whole other thing now, right? So you. I mean, we're gonna listen. Let's not go into the kink of pride. Because <laughs> it's coming. It's we're a couple weeks away. So let's. Because there, there is a there is a difference between like, I'm just gonna like be fun and like sexily take my shirt off that I don't feel needs to have. Like if you're at the beach, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna expect anybody to walk around to everybody on the beach and be like, can I? Do you mind if I sexily take my shirt off? <laughs> can I get your consent, please, in, in, in verbal at least minimum? Okay, thanks. In I, was like, can, I just see somebody walking around with a clipboard being like, can you please? I just need you to sign off on this. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna sexily be... take off my shirt and my shorts. To reveal a speedo, I mean, Please, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, these. I'm gonna seductively re- do a, uh, take off my overclothes for my girlfriend over there. Um, so I'm Please just letting you know and sign here. Oh, and sign you, here as well. Oh, and if here. you would like Thank to turn the other way, it will be happening approximately in 25 minutes and 70 seconds. Oh, <laughs> it's right. all gonna happen. Those heterosexuals. 
just rubbing and flaunting their lifestyle in our faces. How dare they? Speaking of uh, uh, from internalized heterophobia. Speaking of teasing, oh, did you just see the new um, what's his name video, Michael Henry? Michael Henry video. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's that's where I was going with it. I was like, wait a minute, I know that. Um, Speaking of uh, teasing or strip teasing, but teasing, I I do. I'm excited to talk Doctor Who, uh, and hopefully our audience is excited and caught up on some of the news about Doctor Who. Russell T Davies stripping for people now. It wouldn't shock me. He's a quite a wild character. Uh, or his, or the actor or actresses that are uh, being announced may be doing some kind of tease and or strip sorry, tease. They're all actors? The, oh, the, the I, profession yeah, is not yeah. a gendered entity. Yeah, Thank you. that's impossible. Like As long as no one's offended. Is somebody offended? Let me know. Let me know in the comments if you're offended if I call you an actress. And, and it, you know, yeah. Good times. Did that, get, did that get me canceled yet? <laughs> I think it's already. You were canceled like five years ago on this podcast. I don't think <laughs> that's, a, only that's a concern. I mean, uh, probably like seven years ago at this point. I don't even think it's been that. Like the last two years are all just like negated, yeah. but I think I feel like it was five years prior to that. Yeah, that's I mean, why no one returns my calls. So. <laughs> right there. We'll have Ryan. to get Oral back to uh, find out when he first started canceling you on the show. <laughs> uh, um, I ninety percent sure I was there for that episode. Yeah. Oh, baby, you 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 came around well after <laughs> the first <laughs> times. <laughs> it's, it, it's been a long-standing uh, cancellation. <laughs> yeah, once in future canceled. Yeah, it was, it's uh, or Oral delights in canceling me, and that's fine. I get off on it too. It's good. It's fine. But yeah, yeah no, Doctor like, News. Brian's like a planet, uh, a planet fitness membership. You keep trying to cancel it and it just, they, they won't let you and you just have to keep paying every month. Oh God. Back to the, back to the Dr. Who news. You yeah. Dr. Who news. We're going to talk about later. Um, I don't know. Right. More now. I don't know. More now. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Let's do a little, let's do a little, a little news segment because it is piping hot, fresh off the, the, uh, Indie news circuit a day before we're recording this, so a couple days before this comes out. So not as new once it once it hits the airwaves for your podcast ears. But let's uh, let's dive into some of the crazy awesome news that is coming out of the Doctor Who dumb. Uh, Brian, this is your forte, even though uh, Davies is always going to be one of my favorite showrunners because of Eccleston, but. Why don't you share with our listeners what is some of the big news coming out of uh, the Doctor Who franchise? So since you last had us in your ear holes, uh, we have learned quite a lot about the return of, uh, or rather to the next era of Doctor Who, uh, led by the uh, fabulous Russell T. Davies of Queer as Folk, It's a Sin, Cucumber and Banana, for those of you who remember that one. (laughs) And, uh, and of course, Doctor Who uh, fame. So uh, as we approach the end of, you know, the current Doctor, uh, her era, uh, and Chris Chibnall, the showrunner who is also leaving, uh, Jodie Whittaker's era, uh, we are getting titillated and teased by little middle media nuggets. And the first to come out, though there were many that were rumored prior to this, was the actual next doctor. Um, I don't think they gave him a number, which is kind of a conspiracy theory online about why that was. But the next doctor, 
and, and not to be confused with the Christmas special called Next Doctor, because that's something else. Um, Nikuti Gatwa. And oh, we got it right. I was I was it's, literally it's sitting shooty. here. Did I get it right. I didn't, I didn't get it right. It's shooty. Shooty Gatwa. But he did a lot better than I expected. Listen, listen. I was going to say, I was like. I was like, I didn't want to. I don't want to be the one to say it on the podcast. <laughs> I was like, I know I'm going to mess it up. Shutigatwa. Shutigatwa. So yeah. Shuti is uh, um, from his family is from uh, Rwanda, but born or at least raised and is considered still Scottish. So he is in a fine tradition of Scottish doctors, uh, are, are, and, and that includes Sylvester McCoy and uh, 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 Peter Capaldi. I feel like there was one more. Is Tenet Scottish? Tenet Scottish. Yes, Tenet's Tenet. uh, Scottish, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Shooty, um, you may or may not have ever heard of, because he is a fairly young actor, 29-year-old. Uh, he is very well known this these days for a show called Sex Education that I will be talking about a bit as my topic. So mm-hmm. if you are very excited about this new doctor, the first uh, uh, African-born doctor... I would say you should go watch Sex Education. We'll talk more about that later. But Shuni's delightful uh, out uh, in his roles that he has been in, but not out personally, which is interesting. So uh, we're all kind of wondering what his his situation is. And, you know, whatever that is, delightful, high energy, watching him in Sex Education, I totally understand what Russell is going for, I think. Unless it's completely different from his normal. I don't know. But... Uh, we'll talk about sex education. So that's the first one. So shooty. So what do we think of shooty? Are we excited? I'm excited. I, I, uh, I've, I've watched the first two seasons of sex education. Um, and his storyline, his storyline was one that I was like, I'm ready to hate this or I'm ready to love it because the whole thing with like a bully turned like friend slash love interest has always been like kind of a sticky, kind of weird thing to do um glee did it okay um so it's just one of those things where um i was really really invested in his character the first two seasons of sex education and he has my thing is i just need a doctor to have range um, like I need them to be, to have some sort of comedic appeal and I need them to have some sort of like dark or dramatic repe- appeal. Um, and he's got all of it. He's got, yeah. he's, he's got whatever, I, whatever Russell T Davis is going for, whether it's a similar thing to what he saw in Tenet, um, he, he's got it. Like, I'm very, I'm very, very excited to see him and, and like, just to kind of, be the doctor and his own version of the doctor. So I'm, I'm very excited about it because apparently uh, when they interviewed Russell T Davis is they had already picked somebody and he was the last audition. And during the last audition, Russell T Davis was like, well, Nope, that other dude's out here. We are. (laughs) He's like, he's in. So it was very, it was very interesting and telling to see uh, Russell T Davis be like, no, we, we had somebody picked, but um, this guy over here blew it out of the fucking water. So um, I'm very, very, yeah. very excited. Yeah, and uh, Shuddy's, uh energy is uh, is is as manic as you would hope a doctor to be. <laughs> yes. so you, you need a taste of it. Again, we'll talk more about sex, sex education. But Pat, what do you think? I have no real opinion. I haven't watched the show yet. I don't know 
um, any of Shooty's work, but I mean, it's Doctor Who, it's Davies. I, I'm, I mean, I'm down for it. I, I'm a little out of date on newer seasons and series and specials. Uh, that's why I was absent from the Flux microsode that we put out a couple of uh, uh, a couple of episodes ago. So I'm hoping to catch up on that soon and get myself caught up with uh, the last thing that I saw was I think the last actually might be the last like regular season um, where we had the 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 oh was it the timeless child yeah as the the finale. That was yeah. I think that I think um, that was that was the season before Flux. Yeah, it's the the second. Okay, so maybe I'm just yeah. Yeah, So maybe I'm just maybe I just need Flux and uh, whatever this newest uh, mini series. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so I'm not too far behind, Um, but I do try to keep up with it. I I I enjoyed Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor, the companions. Mostly positive, I think a net positive on on them. Um, the the new master, the the fugitive doctor, or or the timeless child doctor. I don't know how they're referring to to her as. Um, has all been has all been really pretty cool in my opinion. So to have Davies come back, where which is where I started. I I didn't watch Doctor Who prior to uh, the reboot in two thousand and five. Was it 05? God. Yeah, 05. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was wow. still in college. Damn. Hush you. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Davies is where I started, so I'm used to his writing style. I'm used to, to what he's coming to the show with, uh, and I don't expect him to go wildly different. I'm, I'm sure that some of it will be different because he is a different person than who he was back then, but I am I'm excited to see what what this is going to be, what this next iteration of the doctor is going to be, what these next stories that they're going to tell are going to be. Well, it's There's funny you say information we're going to talk about because <laughs> this is the only part where I'm a little concerned is not because yeah. of casting, but because of where the storyline, what, like what the, the potential storyline could be. So why don't you uh, break that next piece of news? Uh, talking like about it's, like it's live telling now. <laughs> yeah, right. but hey. people have already uh, consumed this like you know days ago. But um, you you mentioned you know familiar things from the Davies era. Well, there's been two lovely pieces of news this week. Uh, the first in order was very exciting, but also a little confusing. Um, Yasmine Finney, who is a trans uh, woman actress, uh, who is in Heartstopper, which I have not watched yet, but I've heard a lot about because of the graphic novel that preceded it and the, what is it, a Netflix thing, I guess? I don't know. Uh, that it, the, the, Anyway, so Yasmin is, I guess, a breakout character in that, uh, the actress who plays uh, whatever the character's name, but uh, she is going to star in the new series as Rose. Not necessarily Rose Tyler. I think that got conflated in several reportings, but definitely a Rose by any other name. So, um, obviously those who are longtime Russell Davies or Dr. Who fans know Rose as Billy Tyler, a Piper. Oh my God. Billy Piper. Um, <laughs> is there a Billy Tyler? I feel like there's a Billy Tyler. Anyway, but Billy Piper and, you know, Rose is iconic relaunched Dr. Who as that first titular episode about her. And then the Eccleston kind of came in and crashed that party. So a lot of people are kind of like, 
what are you doing there, Davies? Uh, and I think mostly concerned are our biggest Rose fans, and including the, uh, including Pat. So yeah, I don't know. What do you think about having another Rose? I was like including me. I think I'm. I think I am the biggest Rose fan <laughs> on this podcast. If you were talking biggest Rose hater, then we'd get Oral on the show. I mean, I. I liked I liked the Rose storyline and I liked where it concluded. The keyword being concluded. Um, I liked the throwback uh, in the was it fiftieth anniversary special um, where the the moment or that weapon thing kind of took on her form. Um, so that was that was nice. But like, as far as like bringing that character back, please don't because what I had to listen to for nearly 10 years after she left was everybody conflating that character comparing every companion to that character and how they want Rose back. And I'm like, Dr. Who is not a romance. You can have romantic elements and they can work, but Dr. Who is not a romance. Please stop. So <laughs> I would, if, if Oral's the top Rose hater, then I am definitely a first runner up. Cause like, I, I just kind of want it to be done. I don't See, know that you'll I, get that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I didn't. I never minded how they they portrayed it. Yes, was it a little extra sappy? Yes, I think Tenant's run, it, it worked. It was really tough when uh, Freema came on, and. They, I think that it, it was tough to watch, but I think it was necessary because it kind of played to your point, BJ, where it was like, oh, this is kind of like, this will be the, the running theme. We'll have, you know, cute young doctors and pretty young companions and they'll all make googly eyes at each other. And that wasn't how how it ran from there. And and. Martha was kind of the, unfortunately, the one that took the brunt of, of that writing decision to stop that. Um, I mean, the memes that came out of the end of Rose's run originally are fantastic. You know, there's a picture of a flower on a beach and it's like, oh, uh, you know, there's nothing sadder than, than a rose on a beach. And then there's a rose, rose being left on a beach. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, those memes are just—they're—they're they're priceless and they're phenomenal. Well, um, I—I I well, loved how she came back though, and yeah. it was an empowered, a more empowered character, um, and and was really a had come into her own, and didn't need to be that kind of lovesick girl that is pining for the doctor i mean she got her she got her own grow a doctor as well so that was always <laughs> nice but she got she got her grow her own grow uh grown dr donna because that version of the doctor has bits of donna in him so i mean she's a little bit rougher you know a little bit rough <laughs> she she took the clone of willie to a whole nother level at that point but <laughs> i so I'm just I'm I'm just concerned on how this is going to go. When when you sent the when Brian you sent the link in our group chat, I didn't I just saw Rose. I didn't even see the Tyler in the link like in the the wording in the link or anything like that. 
And I, my first thought was, oh, another Rose. Like, this is great. This character or this this actor seems fantastic. If she's a breakout character in, in Heartstopper, awesome. The Heartstopper memes are also phenomenal. Uh, in the this is my heart stopper and it's always like random weird you know images from different pop culture for people older than uh, the Gen Z that are out there <laughs> right now but uh, when I got back home from the dentist yesterday I was scrolling through Facebook and there was an article from some publication it was like Yasmin as is you know the new Rose Tyler and I was like wait what <laughs> I was already concerned because it'd be another character named Rose and it would be automatically compared to and contrasted with Billy Piper as Rose. But now if you, unless somehow Billy Piper's character Rose became a time Lord and regenerated into Yasmin, like you're always going to be comparing them when you have a character of the same name. So I'm yeah. concerned, but I will put my faith and my trust in the storytelling that Russell T. Davies will put together for this next season and the upcoming 60th um, anniversary. Yeah, yeah. So that's so, what's also confusing a bit is it's, it's, there's a lot being like announced and it's all kind of getting conflated into the new series and the 60th uh, Doctor Who anniversary special. As you'll hear in the next piece of news, uh, they're, they're kind of related and all getting confused. But, but again, I don't want to bury the lead on this. What is momentous about this is we have a black, trans companion and that is absolutely and we've had a we've had a black lesbian companion yep uh but now black trans i mean like that is huge that is uh worthy of its own like news headline already uh much less the fact that you know shooty is a, a, a black man as doctor i mean so all of these things are groundbreaking and very queer which we love but then the next piece of news as much as it's not bad for a lot of people who love these characters, it is also very much the, so here's all the new stuff. Oh, and here's the throwback stuff that you're going to get. But it's a 60th anniversary special, so you expect a little bit. Uh, as was very widely rumored, David Tennant is coming back to Doctor Who. I think what people expected or thought they were misinterpreting is he was going to be in, he was going to be the next Doctor. Like they were going to do like a throwback Doctor season or something. And that's probably not what's happening. But David Tennant, Catherine Tate, and today they confirm Bernard Cribbins, who is uh, Donna's uh, what father, grandfather, uh, grandfather, grandfather. Uh, they are all coming back, and the only um, oh, so we know this. Uh, the first two were officially announced, uh, Tennant and Tate. But then um, on, and, and they do this typically. They make these announcements not to spoil things, but to just get it out ahead of spoilers because there is already now on location shooting that is showing Tennant and Tate running around. And that's where Bernard Cribbins shows up. So they were, uh, you know, stalking uh, this production in, <laughs> in probably in Wales. But anyway, so yeah, that's all announced. And it looks like that's for the 60th. Um, so, I mean, gosh, so much great Doctor Who news. And, you know, honestly, none of it matters for another year because none of this is going to come out until 2023. Uh, yeah. Uh, other than the regeneration potentially in um, Jodie Whittaker's final episode, which is coming out this year as part of the centennial BBC celebration in, I think, like the fall sometime. Yeah, it's a it's a fall special, and um, it seems like uh, what it what it's kind of looking like is that the first episode or the first Doctor Who new Doctor Who thing we're going to get next year will probably be the 60th anniversary um, because they did say that. Um, uh, the new actress 
um, the, that they announced uh, is supposed to debut with uh, Tenet and Tate. Um, so there's a chance she may not be the new companion or she might just be on for the special. Um, but like I said, it, it, it seems like it seems like the jumping on point will be a special, which I'm completely down with, especially if it's the 60th anniversary, because um, they'll probably show that in movie theaters. But yeah, it, it looks it feels like announcing all of these big announcements all at once will go right into uh, uh, what's coming up with the special. So I'm down. I'm excited. Oh God! Is it going to be the moment part two? Electric Boogaloo. I love it. Maybe, but anyway, Doctor Who is exciting, and please, we we always love talking Doctor Who. Please, uh, you know, let us know in the comments what you think of this news. If you're excited to see any of these characters come back, and or who else you might want to come back. Spoiler alert: I would like Matt Smith and um, Karen Gillan to come back, please, and Eccleston too if he's up for it, because you know, and oh, and, and Peter Capaldi and Bill. I mean, like everyone, yes. all of yes. just bring everybody back for the sixties. You know what? <laughs> Who do I want back? All of the characters. I need a necromancer to bring <laughs> William Hartnell back to life and have him in the 60th. That'd be phenomenal. No, who's that guy? Didn't they have um, the Harry Potter actor? They had him. He came in with um, Capaldi for that one special. That, he was pretty good. I think that's what they're just going to slowly start replacing these uh, doctors like they've been doing. Pertwee, we know we got a replacement. If they ever can bring uh, uh, Alfred to... Uh, uh, whatever, whichever Pertwee he is. Uh, Sean? Anyway, yeah. Sean, is it Sean Pertwee? Yeah, I guess it's Sean Pertwee. I think it's I mean, Sean. Yeah, so yeah, I, I would be all, oh my God. And he's even said, he's like, I would totally do it. Uh, just like, I would love to say that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Doctor Who and Daddy lots Alfred. of queer stuff. Daddy Alfred, right? The best Daddy Alfred. I did finally see the Batman, by the way. I don't <laughs> find any circus. I also love uh, Alfred, uh, Alfred Kane? No, what's his name? That's the guy who played it in the, the Michael Nolan. Michael Caine? Michael. Oh, my God. Alfred Michael Caine. My brain today is taking <laughs> one part actor name, one part character name, and just doing this delightful little new person. Uh, remember, kids, don't confuse the actor with the character. It's never cute. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, what I was saying is uh, I do really think uh, Sean, as much as I don't love Gotham at all, as as time and testament will, will say, uh, Sean Pertwee was pretty great as Alfred. Mm. Daddy, you didn't you didn't like a twelve year old Batman? <laughs> I didn't even make it that far. That's the sad part. <laughs> he didn't I mean, aged twenty years or fifteen years between like season four and five. He was still like twelve years old, putting on a cowl and <laughs> being Batman on a rooftop. It was ridiculous. <laughs> That's Gotham. <laughs> if you if you've never heard me rant about Gotham, dear listeners. I didn't like the show, but I hate watched it to completion. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the thing. I bailed out after like the first season or second season, I think. And, uh, yeah, no, Mm-mm. I don't. Sadly, there are very few things. The only time I will like stop watching something is if I like if I'm watching it on a like in a broadcast type of thing where it's coming out weekly, and I just kind of forget about it and I miss it. But if I'm watching. And it's there. I yeah, like Hulu is you know puts that shit up, and it's like new episode. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm watching the next one. <laughs> but if if I just kind of forget that it's on, then I will somehow manage to uh, break away from that that completionist feeling. So, uh, this is my life. 
So after that Doctor Who news, I'm actually going to go first this time around on this episode. Very odd. I normally uh, let everybody else go, but my topic is uh, probably has a little less meat on the bones. So I feel that it is a good counterpart to all that good Doctor Who news uh, before we break for station identification after this. <laughs> so uh, my topic, I was racking my brain because I, I found myself not really diving too much into kind of the geeky pop culture-ness of the world. I obviously, everybody knows I, I watch my stories. Um, you know, I haven't been ca- keeping up with comics. Um, I don't even know if, uh, if the Marvel app has most of the recent stuff in there. I need to go and check. Yeah, you I need do. to catch up. If, if you Tri- don't, if you don't finish trial of Magneto, by the time we do our, uh, multiverse of mayhem, um, uh, microsode, you will be spoiled. Multiverse I'm just letting you know. Mayhem, mayhem Miller. <laughs> multiverse of madness. Multiverse mom. of mayhem Miller. Mom, Doctor Strange. Mom. That's what I'm calling it. Multiverse of madness. Yes. Okay. Well, first off, the last time I checked, which was a while ago, we we didn't have ep- uh, episodes issues three, four, and five uh, purchased in the app. So it was like oh. I was ca- trying to catch up on everything, and they weren't there. And I was like. All right, I'll get to it eventually, and then I, I mean, haven't gone back in in a I while. Guess I, I guess I should get those. I don't know. This is totally not even germane to anyone who cares, but let's just say my X-Men uh, purchasing and reading is going to neck down very significantly as we go away from the Hickman leaving. Uh, uh, not to cast any aspersions at current writers, but let's just say, no, I don't care <laughs> as much. But yes, I need to get those... Uh, the, those were I, everyone who has read the uh, trial mania said they were pretty good. So maybe get those. And I, I almost I if, I think it was in between paychecks because they were actually on sale when I was looking. I was like, ooh, like a dollar ninety nine an issue. I was like, I need to. I should maybe I should, I don't have the money right now. <laughs> we'll come or, back or, to these later. Yeah, like let me know because I didn't. I, I miss any of those those uh, little announcements. Oh yeah, they they're, they're not good on letting you know when sales are going on. Marvel's like, keep wanting you to pay full price. Maybe after like three or four months, and then we'll put them on sale. Uh, because they're also in the Marvel Unlimited app, so <laughs> they know that they're not getting they they can't get full price on that at that point. But that's neither here nor there. Although, since I mentioned Mayhem Miller, um, did if you know who Mayhem Miller is, season ten, RuPaul's Drag Race, season five, yeah, five of All Stars. Are you talking about yes. Lee Dawson? What? No. Oh, oh God, no. I don't even know. Okay. I just, because on one of our more recent episodes, uh, roundups, one of our topics was um, the, the Pam and Tommy Hulu series. Oh, yes. I was watching a video with Mayhem Miller. Mayhem took her drag name from that porn. What? <laughs> from the sex tape. Uh... That's where Mayhem Miller gets her drag name from, is from the uh, Pamela Anderson, Tommy Lee sex tape. Wow. That's what does Tommy Lee have tattooed across his stomach? Okay. I was trying to remember what the connection there. Okay. I was going to say yeah. that was the name of his band, Methods of Mayhem, anyway. What? Tommy Lee's band was called Methods of Mayhem. Which band? I guess uh, his I band know. before. Um... 
Um, no, it was after. It was after the sex tape. It was Methods of Mayhem. Uh, was the one that put out the song "Get Naked." You know, that was definitely not what he is known for. But he obviously like, has a thing for mayhem. I was like, um, I know him from Motley Crue, but that was about all I know. Oh, okay. No, no yeah, uh, uh, yeah, uh, years active. They're only active oh, with Randy Jackson. Yeah, what? What up, dog? No yeah. way. Yes. Weird. Yeah, methods, methods, methods of mayhem is the one that released the song "Get Naked," which introduced me to Lil Kim because she had a verse in there. I'll. I need to send y'all the video. This is a chunk of nineties. Chunk of nineties that y'all checked out on. This is this no, is like okay, parallel so you, universe nonsense going on right now. First of all, you saying that reminds me that yes, I do remember Lil Kim being in in a video with a rock band. But that's what introduced you to Lil Kim? Mm-hmm. Sir, I'm gonna need your black card. <laughs> listen, I my parents would not let me listen to anything off MTV, so they sure as hell didn't let me listen to Yo MTV raps. So that's Man. that. I just happened to find her, and then once I found her, I was obsessed with her for a number of years. I know you see me on the video. True. <laughs> I know you heard me on the radio. True. Wow, that I just I, oof, I can't believe that. All right, now let me, let me recompose myself. Let's get back to what I was talking about. Take this train that was on a whole other track, and let's go back to what we we're going to talk about. So. I perused my brain and said, you know what? There was something that really made me happy in the world of pop culture and uh, took up uh, quite a bit of my weekend last weekend, Friday night and Saturday day. And that is the fourth season of the Netflix show, The Circle. Oh, no. Aha, let's dive oh, into some reality television. No. I thought it was done. I didn't know it was coming back. I didn't know fourth season had come out. I mu- I was like two or three weeks behind on the times because by the time I got to it, uh, when I first saw it, there were only like five episodes out. And then by the time I started watching it, there were eight. So I think I got in like around the third week of uh, the season. So for those of you who may not know, the Circle, sometimes called The Circle U.S. to differentiate from other international versions, is an American reality competition series produced by Studio Lambert and Motion Content Group that first aired on Netflix in January of 2020. Who knew that this was a precursor to us all being alone and isolated in our own apartments, not being able to see anybody in person? No. Uh, <laughs> it is based on the original British TV series of the same name, Alongside the American version of The Circle, Netflix has also launched different versions in France and Brazil as part of a partnership between Netflix and all three media. The series builds itself as a game based around social media with the concept that, quote unquote, anyone can be anyone in The Circle. It has been compared to Big Brother and Catfish in format, as well as Black Mirror episode Nosedive with the concept of ratings. Uh, So it was renewed for a fourth and fifth season in August of 2021. And the fourth season premiered on May the 4th. So um, apparently they just decided to release these episodes with the quickness because that is not a lot of time. It has only been, what, two, almost two weeks from the the time that we're recording this? Yeah. They put out eight episodes in two weeks. 
So I'm not sure what their scheduling is because it's usually weekly, but then they also do that weird HBO Max. Here's three episodes. Here's four episodes. Here, like they don't always do a once one a week type of thing. Um, that I, I know that what was it? Um, Titans did that at one point. They were like, here's three episodes. Yeah. Enjoy. <laughs> like I don't understand it, but you know, famously Netflix who. Uh, pretty much single-handedly destroyed broadcast uh, release schedules has now walked all of that way the hell back and said, um, we realize that when we only have one or two really good things out at a time, people will get a trial membership and then cancel and then come back in a year when it's back out. Yep. So now they're trying to walk that back a little bit and put things out weekly uh, or semi-weekly. Like the Great British Baking Show has entered into a partnership with Netflix. So here in the U.S., we get those episodes weekly on Friday after they've aired in the U.K. on, I think, Tuesday, which makes it difficult to avoid the Twitter spoilers sometimes. But, you know, it happens. So when I was talking to a friend of mine who, uh, in the building, there's a whole long story. Um, I don't think I've mentioned it on this show, but apparently one of my neighbors can see into my apartment and could see part of my television and saw that I was watching videos about Survivor and left me this note on my door um, wanting to be friends. And we're now friends. So it was uh, interesting and a little odd, but it all worked out for the best. And he and I were, were texting and, and it had come up. And he actually, through one of his other friends, knows one of the contestants on season four of The Circle. So he was like, are you a fan of the Spice Girls? And I said, I fucking love them. And he said, well, then you are going to enjoy this season. And I said, I'm excited. So they really kind of spoiled it right off the bat. But <laughs> season four starts, or if you watch the preview, they give away some some spicy tidbits right off the bat. And I was like, you could have saved this because it doesn't happen to love so too. You could have you saved this, but you're really trying to entice the viewers in. So... The four, like the, the description that I, I, I read is pretty much what you need to know. There's these contestants that move into an apartment building. You're isolated in your apartment, filled with cameras. You can go in as yourself, or you can catfish and be whoever you want to be. Um, we've had both people who've been themselves and people who've been catfish win the show in the last couple of seasons. Two quote-unquote real people, one catfish, and you create a profile. So you put your name, you put your occupation, your age, uh, your relationship status, all of this information out there, and one or two pictures. It, it varies by season and how they want to do this. At sometimes they'll do games where they'll incorporate another picture or they'll do something with kind of the profile galleries. The concept is to develop these online relationships with the other players and build your social status so that way every couple of days when the players are tasked to rate the competition you stay safe or at the uh, the ideal goal would be to rank in the top two where you become a quote-unquote influencer and then the influencers are oftentimes majority of the time tasked with eliminating a contestant doesn't have to be the person in, in the last place. It can be anybody that's ranked underneath where the influencers are. Some cases they've done where they'll do a 
um, a super secret influencer where one person is made the influencer and no one knows who it is. And then they're tasked with uh, blocking somebody from the game. And majority of the time, or at least I think, I think in all four seasons, in the early part of the game, through maybe the first half to two thirds of the game, when somebody is eliminated, or even just randomly throughout the game, they will add more people into the circle. Until we reach roughly the seventh or so episode, where they will then inform the players that the circle is complete, no new players will be uh, brought into the game, and that the winner is among them. So then they have to try to outlast the competition, and then at the end of it all, be ranked in the top spot. Because at the, in the final episode, they put their final rankings in, and then go meet for dinner, or quote-unquote dinner, because I don't think they actually eat at this place, but they, they bring them to this one room, <laughs> and everybody gets to meet, and you get to see if the person you were playing with is actually who they said they were, or if they were being a catfish. Uh, and then they do a little reunion episode, bring everybody back together and then reveal the rankings. I think it's usually like a top five and then they'll go through and then they'll reveal the winner and the winner gets a hundred thousand dollars until this season, because in this season there was a very spicy treat in the form of after the first blocking the top influencer was able to pick one of two players to enter the circle. The player profile that was chosen would then be taken over by Mel B and Emma Bunton, a.k.a. Scary Spice and Baby Spice of the Spice Girls. What? Yes. So the Spice Girls. Absolutely (laughs) not. The Spice Girls got to play the circle. And their mission, and the best part was that they did they did a '90s dance party and all this. And actually, at the '90s dance party, it was very Spice Girls themed with a lot of the stuff. It was then revealed to the other players that the Spice Girls were amongst them. And the next day, they would be tasked with picking, with voting on who they think the Spice Girls are playing in the circle. And they're told, if you don't get it right that there will be consequences. The consequences were that if they, if the Spice Girls managed to fool the majority of players, the prize pot goes from $100,000 to $150,000. I don't know what the Spice Girls got out of it, to be completely <laughs> honest. If they get nothing out of this, because after that episode, this is like four episodes in, once, they, once it's revealed, they're gone. They leave. <laughs> they're out of the show. Like... I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the whole deal was with that, in the slightest. But I, I loved it. Well, there's rumor that they're making another album. So I mean, this could just be a way of drumming up uh, relevance again. And and it's a very it's a very kitschy like fun way of drumming up relevance. Like this is yeah. <laughs> I'm not mad about it to be honest. I mean, yeah. like they that did a, they great. did a Spice Girls like um, trivia challenge. Uh, and this was after they had revealed. So like during like the nineties dance party at the, the end of it, they had them do a, like a video message and announce it. And I was like, I don't know why I was getting emotional. I was like, Oh my God, I wish I was there. This would be so amazing. (laughs) I mean, I'm a big Jerry fan. So I would have, I would have wanted Jerry to be there, but I mean, if Mel B and fucking Emma were there, I'd die. I would, I would, yeah, I would be dead. 
And then at the end of their run, they got to choose a player to go visit. So somebody, one of the players got to go, like, got to hang out with Emma and Mel B. It was so cool. So <laughs> this season had that, like, if it didn't have that, it would have been just like any other season. I'm like, okay, cool. It's fun to watch, whatever. But it was like, it was so random and so oddly genuine for being a, a catfishing type of feel to their presence. It really just felt very wholesome in a way. I don't think that's the right word, but it's the right vibe. And uh, it was cute to see. And, and I really did enjoy the fact that they decided to change up the game a little bit. And then they, they did this twist where the last two players came in and they did this whole, um, like a virus had taken hold of the, the circle because it's obviously all computer based since they can't interact with each other. And they essentially did a schoolyard pick of uh, like the two new players who are immune from the virus or already had the antivirus downloaded. That's what it was. They already had the antivirus software. They could choose a player to give it to, to pass it on to. And then it was basically a schoolyard pick. So you just expose your entire game by who you're picking to then pass it on to. Nice. So there's like a there's a clear divide in the in the uh, the circle, and it's very very apparent at this point. But uh, there's a couple episodes left. I'm interested to see how this entire thing plays out. It left on a on a cliffhanger at the end of episode eight. Uh, see where the the last two players on the other alliance were. It's one of them is going to be blocked, but. Uh, overall, it is, it's not your standard reality competition show because they can't technically interact with each other. And to watch some of these people play as themselves and then play as catfish as well, it's, it's interesting to watch. It's also super queer uh, between just out, outright you know, loud and proud homosexuals, uh, pansexuals. You know, one of the the players on the season uh, was a lesbian, former, the first uh, woman Harlem Globetrotter. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. So, you know, like she was on the show um, talking about her wife and her kid and like all this stuff and playing as herself. And it was, it's always so, so amazing to watch a lot of these players who are queer just being them and it being so welcomed and accepted in on the show. So like, even though it's a lot of reality television, a lot of the reality television tropes, it's still nice to see that. And uh, one of the things that I, I found funny is they, there's one person that even their tightest Alliance person, like their, their, their number one was like, yeah, I think that person's a catfish, but you know what? If that person's going to have my back, I don't care who's on the other side of that <laughs> computer. And I'm like, honestly, everybody, everybody who's like, who's not catfishing is like, we need to get the catfish out. I'm like, if that person's got your back and not voting you out, then why the fuck do you care? Get the fucking bigger threats out because it's a social game. When you're sitting there going, oh, everybody loves Frank. Frank is great. Frank's going to fucking win. You don't take that <laughs> motherfucker out. How do you like, why are you going to keep that person in the game? If they're going to be, if they're going to beat you. You know, and when I started watching Survivor last year, went through 40 episodes, uh, seasons right quick. 
I was very much like, why is this really annoying fucking person not being voted out? Why are they not being voted out? And it was always like, oh, well, you know, you drag the goat to the end because then you have a better chance of winning. And I still don't really love that. But at the same time, you at least take out your, you got to, listen, you got to Naomi Smalls that bitch. You got to take them out, pretend they're Manila. You pull their fucking <laughs> lipstick and you vote them the fuck out. This this isn't the circle, the best friend circle. <laughs> this isn't the circle's best friend race. This isn't the circle's exactly. best friend race. Exactly. Exactly. You got you to pull a bill and pangina them, right? Or wait, wait, no, one bill was um, blue, right? Blue. Yeah. I was like, Bill. I was like, <laughs> Sorry. Revenge. This is not revenge Dr. Who. <laughs> I was like, Who is Bill and why are they being. Why are they being eliminated? Wait, isn't it? You're talking about Jimbo? Oh, oh, Jimbo. Oh, my God. See, this is what's the problem. My brain's just collapsing. (laughs) Do you smell toast? No. Okay. Do you you taste almonds? Do you smell almonds? Okay, good. Is it smelling almonds or tasting? Smelling almonds, tasting copper, right? That's Those are the signs? I I think that's it. Tasting copper is blood. That's a, you could just be tasting blood in your mouth and that's copper. Is it, I thought there was a tasting metal thing that was associated with yeah, but I don't think it's copper. I don't know. Either way, I'm not having a stroke. <laughs> I am having well, iron is in your blood. blood. Copper is different. If you're tasting oh. pennies, <laughs> that's a whole different thing. Hmm. Oh, write in and let <laughs> us. Somebody out there is listening to this now, going, "Motherfuckers, <laughs> just WebMD this shit." <laughs> we need our, we need our, um, our what's his name? Uh, uh, you know, uh, to, to do the research in the background and chime in. Oh, yeah. Uh, where's Dipper? Where's Dipper, Dipper when you need him? Yeah. <laughs> what privilege. <laughs> uh, oh, 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 but I mentioned Lee Dawson earlier because we're off on a tangent. Uh, if you're not on his YouTube channel, he's putting out videos like every day. It's ridiculous. He's cranking yeah, these he's, things out. He's modified them, I, I guess, to try to avoid the copyright issues um, because they are they're trimmed down. They don't have the intros anymore. There's no more. Um, the winner of RuPaul's Drag Race will receive a one-year supply of Raven Simone and a cash <laughs> prize of $1. That's a lot of fucking money. It's, None it's of those still... are there anymore. There's no more There's no more chop, chop, chop. chop. Or no, they are, If it is, though. it's really quick. No, is the chop are, still in there? It's chop still in there. I'm oh, impressed God. with what he's getting away with, which makes me think he basically got somebody to sort of say, you know what, this is parody, you're good. But well, he saying, was hired by he was hired by World of Wonder. Oh, okay. Well, there you d- go. During UK, I think season two, he was doing recaps for them um, during one of the UK seasons. So I wonder if he was able to get cleared. But they are trimmed down because, um, like the uh, is it the Office? Is it the Jane Krasinski? I think clip where um, he used it oh. a lot for Jeremy, formerly known uh, as yeah. the. Secret, Secret plans, plan. revenge on my mind. Yep, that and the um, oh god, the sound of silence <laughs> clip that he would use because like the those all star two ones are still my favorite. And there's that one where the 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 revenge of the queens episode where they come in and then Ginger spins around and he uh, puts like the Christmas music and the the, the silver tinsel tree over her. <laughs> I, I've been very impressed though because even like he's back to like All Stars 5 era I think season 
he might be up to season 14. I, I know Jada. Has he did shown 10 up. and 11. I think he's doing 11 now, like releasing the 11. Wait, now. when did Jada? Because he's Jada's showing up and stuff. So that oh, that's 12. Be... So he might be up to 12, 12. now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's, but he's bringing in stuff from UK, which is delightful. All the new stuff. And, yeah. And the Jimbo stuff. And oh my God. It's just, like we always have loved this, we've talked about this and, and many times over. How uh, it just—it's—it's it's a narrative. It's like an ongoing, like the chop. You just hear it and you hear the the, the song. Anyway, uh, it's on YouTube. All of it. It's amazing. And if you don't complete. follow his Twitter, you're missing out on his giant penis. Oh yeah, that's right. He's got a big ass dick. Oh, and, and he uses race. <laughs> he uses race chaser stuff all the time too. So he obviously, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's in. He's in on that whole. Uh, although he does show pictures of busted Willem, which is kind of also hilarious. He uses some of Willem's beatdown clips too. Uh-huh. Like there are things that come up. I'm like, oh my god, yes, because I watch way too much beatdown. Like I watch these episodes over and over again. But um, but yeah, uh, Lee DPT. I think is his, or it's oh, like Twitter. Lee DPT01 or something like that on Twitter. But look up, just search Lee, L-E-E-D-P-T, and you'll find it. Every so often, like he's only, it's, he has an OnlyFans, so you can go, I'm sure, see all of the, the content there. Um, but when he posted his dick, like just flat out on his Twitter, I was like, this is what I came for. This is the content. And the root caps. <laughs> Both of them. Uh, in the in the now lost uh, audio from our three hour conversation with Ginger and CJ, CJ plugged Lee's um, OnlyFans, and we lost all of that content. I believe so sad. That's so upsetting. <laughs> I'm just gonna verbally do all of the sound bites from the board. A dragonfly. <laughs> oh. Let's get this roast to cooking. Oh, that's just on my board. Uh, anyway, so if you haven't watched it, I strongly recommend The Circle. It is entertaining. Uh, the episodes are about 45, 50-ish minutes. So give yourself a little bit of time. I spent most of my morning on Saturday watching, like getting caught up on The Circle. So it can take you down a rabbit hole. But it is entertaining. You'll find yourself rooting for people that you didn't expect to be rooting for. I'm rooting for Mama Carol, who is being, uh, who is a catfish character played by her son, and I'm hoping that she survived this, uh, this, this most recent blocking. I'll be very excited to see how that all turns out. But that's the Circle on Netflix. Season four is currently airing, uh, with a little bit of that spoiler there in in, in that piece. But um, <laughs> there are three previous seasons to watch as well, and uh, yeah, I highly recommend it. It is fun to watch. All right, dear listeners, we appreciate you hanging out with us every other week or whenever you listen to our episodes. But did you know that we're also online? You can go check out our website at flameonshow.com. From our website, you can not only check out our YouTube channel, where we have our interviews and other great video content, mostly interviews, but there are a few other things. Uh, in addition to that, you can also find our Twitch channels. You can find our online socials, all of that right from our website. There's also a link for our Threadless shop where you can purchase some snazzy swag with the Flame On logo. And there is also a link to our Patreon. If you don't want to go to, through that link, you can just go to patreon.com forward slash Flame On Show, where you can join at any one of the four levels that we have available. 
from the sad, sad tear of a clown <laughs> all the way up to the House of X, where you can become one of our house members and join an episode of our roundup as a special guest host. So that is right there at patreon.com forward slash flame on show and help support this show that you're listening to right now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, let's get into some more topics. I will throw it on over to BJ. What you got to talk about this month? I have a little slice of Americana by the name of The Kids in the Hall. I did not realize that uh, this, was it this year or was it last year? Um, it was last year they dropped a brand new season of The Kids in the Hall on Amazon Prime. And I know they did like a little mini series of Kids in the Hall, I think back in 2010. Um, All of this is wrong. BJ, all of this is wrong. What? <laughs> can I can I jump in real quick just so you don't go too far down this rabbit hole? So yeah. they're Canadian. So <laughs> I don't know if you were joking with Americanos and they're like, wait a minute. I mean, that's I watched I watched it in America. Like that's where I saw it. So <laughs> Well, honey, I watch a lot of Japanese TV in America. No, no, they are they're very Canadian. Uh, uh, but they but they were produced by uh, Lauren Michaels out of you know, SNL fame. So it, it's all yeah. we're all we're all North Americans. It's cool. Um, the new series did just come out this weekend, so they did not do a mini series uh, last. It, it didn't. You're you're not missing out. You just it's brand new. No, uh, no, no, no. There was there was another thing that dropped in 2010. Other than this new other than this new drop this past weekend, did, yeah, they did. Death comes to town. Yes, not kids in the hall, but most of them, I believe, did make that series. But it was um, they were all it's, characters. Yeah. It's titled "Kids in the Hall: Death Comes to Town." Oh, weird! That's so funny because yeah. they didn't. That's not how they originally released it. So I was that, very confused too because when yeah, I because yeah. when I type in "Kids in the Hall," three things come up: the original run. The uh, the new Amazon series and Death Comes to Town and I think Brain Candy pops up too, oh, which I mean, they make fun on. of in the first episode. So oh, yes. now now that we're caught up, yes, yes, no, that you're you're you are not all wrong. You're 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 ninety seven percent correct. <laughs> but technically correct, the best kind of correct. Um, but yeah, no, um, I did not realize that this had just dropped. Um, so when. I was kind of going through, I was, so when we get ready for a topic, I always go through like what's in my, 
what's in my to be watched list um, because I'll put stuff in there and it'll just sit there for like a year or two. Um, but yeah, I started watching this a couple days ago. It's the new new season, Kids of the Hall. I believe it's um, all the original, not all the original actors, but definitely the original core cast. Um, yeah, it's, all the it's all the yeah, kids. It's all the kids. All the kids. I think it, there's some cameos from some like side actors. Uh, I it really it really stretched my brain a bit because like the first episode had uh, Kathy and Kathy, uh, which was one of one of my old. Uh, I thought Kathy and Kathy were hilarious, um, but the whole thing it didn't skip a beat. Like it doesn't feel like they ever stopped, um, and everybody on this show has had like fifty thousand side projects over the course of the years. What I do mean, you mean they were insane. all buried? They were buried in the ground, and they, <laughs> they died after the uh, the series went off the air. So, 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 let me fill in some history that'll maybe make this make more sense. So, the series went to like ninety five, and then Brain Candy yeah. came out while they were in like I think the fourth season. It was between the fourth and fifth. And it yeah. did so spectacularly badly at the box office, even though I will say I did see this in, in the theater because uh, I'm I'm a kid's fan from when it was on TV because I'm old. Um, 27 years ago, by the way. Ugh. Um, anyway, so yeah, they, 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 they ended the series very unceremoniously by burying all of the kids and in a, in a mass grave. I remember uh, that episode. It, it was uh, heartbreaking. And Paul Bellini, who is the gentleman who was in The Towel, who also kicked uh, off yeah. the first episode of the show, uh, finished the series. He's actually a good friend of theirs, uh, mostly with Scott Thompson uh, in a band. And I just saw the band name and I cannot remember it now, uh, but I'll look it up. But yeah, so anyway, Paul Bellini does show up. But uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, 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 the new series delightfully opens with um what was it like a, a yard sale it it's and, a it's a it well, no it opens it opens and it opens in a yard sale and then goes to like this corporation and with that one that one dollar yeah. um basically a little girl it. is buying like tapes like look vhs tapes and like finds brain candy and scott thompson is in character is this old grizzled <laughs> hippie-ish looking, I don't know, whoever he's supposed to be. And he's, he gets the dollar and it's like, you know, Canadian, like loony or something. And yeah, and he, he's just like, oh my God, the curse has been lifted. And they cut <laughs> the devil character that Mark McKinney plays. Uh, and he's like, oh no. And then it cuts to the, uh, the Amazon, the executives. And they're talking <laughs> about how Amazon, the devil's not back bankrolling. It's now Amazon. What I love about all of this, by the way, and this is why I, I love this so far. And I'll, I've only watched the first episode. It, it is also such deep cuts for kids in the hall fans that it's great. Oh my God. But I also sit there and go, holy crap. You do not care if people don't have a fucking clue what you're doing because you are just deep cut way back and from what i've seen in the previews all the character a lot of the characters that they're focusing on are ones i mean they do a little mix of them but like a lot of the ones in series four and five that were beloved by the actors uh but you know i yeah. don't know audiences uh, love them but but i'm curious you watched how much have you watched uh so i've gotten up to episode i believe uh, actually i was literally watching it before i came over here what episode was i watching i was watching episode five do you um, uh, have a favorite sketch so far, or a favorite character that's come back? Like, but the Kathy's, of course. But like, I mean, the, the, I think I think the Kathy's sketch was like top tier nostalgia for me. But 
Uh, so far, my all-time favorite, there's a sketch involving the last glory hole and how it wants to be... It wants to be a... Uh, a, a historical monument and it's talking to I can't remember the I can't remember the character's name, but it's the guy in the gay bar that used to sit in the gay bar and he would like sit. Yes. Um and they, they like he's he's with his his prote his prote, protege and he's explaining like that bar shut down and then it was a restaurant and then it was another gay bar and then it was shut down, which is very, very revel uh prevalent to today. Um there's uh, there was one thing I wasn't emotionally prepared for, and that was the nudity. I was not prepared for all of the nudity. Oh there God. is so much nudity, and I never, I, I didn't mind seeing the kids in the hall naked. <laughs> I was like, wait, I need to rewind that. <laughs> I was, I, so, so the original series was on like, um, not not even cable. It was like um, uh, syndication. Yeah, and so with Sands and Practices, you couldn't, you could only get away with so much, and they, they, they did definitely get away with a lot of stuff because they would only air it after Safe Harbor or whatever. But no nudity. Uh, this series, Ooh. the first episode, I've seen. Freaking, uh, what's his name? Um, was it uh, Dave Foley? And um, oh god, what's the curly hair guy? Oh my god, I can't remember his oh, name. Oh, um, uh, Dave Foley yeah. and um, Kevin McDonald. Kevin, Kevin, those two are absolutely naked. With yep. not even like a body double, um, cutaways, like they're full on standing there, full frontal. I'm not going to tell you what happens or why, but like bits are moving, like I, they're moving yeah. their bits. And like it's, I was, I was, I mean, I was just, I was, I was amazed at them because that's brave. They're in their, like, they're older than me. They're, they're like in their 60s, I think. Low, yeah. Early 60s. They're, they're a lot of, uh, and I will say that a lot of their sketches are meta to the point to where, like, they are that age in the sketch. And that's kind of like the joke is the fact that they're not, like, they're not trying to do all the all the same physical comedy that they did in the original run but they're definitely um playing to the fact that you know they're older and everything and e even the way they even the way they do their drag when they dress like women it's it's they they don't they don't try to ham it up like they're younger they definitely stay within it's like it's like they're the female characters they played before aged with their male character, like the aged, aged with them. Yeah. So it's like, they're playing the same, like the Cathy's are definitely in their sixties and like their office turn, like decides to stop using fax machines. And it's, it's, it, it, I don't of, know. They kind of did this when they did. So, so about, I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe they did live tours of their, um, their sketches and they oh, did yeah. a few classic sketches, but they also updated some, to kind of play into that same idea of, oh, well, now you're older. Um, and it, it's the honest way to do it. It makes sense. But, like, yeah, it does kind of seem to form a lot of the, the genesis of some of these ideas. But not always. Uh, and so, I don't know. I mean, I, you've seen more of it than I have. I just, I really am so beyond thrilled that this exists. Because for many years, a lot of us Kids in the Hall fans... Like we would go to the live shows, we would we would watch Death Comes to Town. We would any any time they appeared, like you know, um, Scott Thompson was on Hannibal for a, an amazing run. Oh Mark yeah, was on SNL 
for a while. Um, I mean, Kevin McDonald's voiced like half yes. of the Disney characters that came out of like the nineties. Like uh, it's insane. His voice Dave acting Foley, career Dave Foley had some amazing like NBC and uh, maybe other networks. But he had like a lot of sitcom roles. Like the kids have uh, gone on to do so many amazing things on their own, but getting them back together is so special. It's it's the equivalent of Monty Python. Uh, you know, and they never quite did the same thing. Like the Naughty Python never like did like a reunion special of any length. They did like little, little one-offs, like before they all started passing away and losing their minds. Yeah. But like, you know, uh, overall, like this is so special to have this, um, this, one of the most iconic and brilliant comedy troops, uh, uh, uh ever, uh, reunite in this way is is just it's just uh, it's so special. I love it. And and I'll say and my thing is I don't want to hear and I hear this all the time from a lot of like you hear it a lot in the comedians in the news with what's happening just with like comedy in general and how a lot of older co- comedians I know Tina Fey complained about it a lot like how you know you can't you can't do jokes you like comedies like it's it's you can't do it anymore it's not that fun no you can because they the episode every episode i've watched uh, they have proven that you can update your comedy but like it's still the kid it's still the kids in the hall like there's no doubt in my mind like you like they even have this one little it's like their jokes are so quick that one joke where they're talking to the the ceo and they're just like can we monetize female impersonators and like all the women are like no he's like oh are you sure like and it's just one of those things where they do they make modern jokes and they don't feel like they're at anybody's expense and they definitely feel like I mean, it's like I said, it's like a warm hug from from back from when I used to watch it because I used to I couldn't watch this at home. I could only watch it at my grandmother's. So when I stayed there during the summer, I would literally turn on Comedy Central. This was one of Comedy Central's like only television shows that they showed during the daytime. So I think I may have binged almost every season that had aired like at the time because I think this was like 1994, 93. Um so it's it's just so well done. You can tell they put a ton of work into it. Um and it's 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 absolutely hilarious. I mean, there there's there's a there's just something and it's specifically to me cuz my favorites my favorites were always Scott Thompson and uh Bruce uh, McCulloch. Um they are just like right out it's like right out the gate. I don't know how long it took them to film this, but when I tell you they came right out the gate like they had never stopped, it it was just everything. So yeah, so if you are a Kids in the Hall fan, if you are not sure of who the Kids in the Hall are, uh, and you have Amazon Prime, the new season is for Prime Video, and I believe all of the original seasons are free. They're all free. Okay, not only are the original seasons for free on Prime Video, but uh, Brain Candy is for free on Prime Video, and Kids in the Hall, Death Comes to Town is also free on Prime Video. So their their, their entire library is uh, free to watch if you have uh, Amazon Prime. So, and it's... Um, let me see. It's the 20, 2022 Kids in the Hall uh, Season 1. So it's they restarted the season count on it for Amazon Originals. Um, so if you want to watch the original season from like 1987, 
<laughs> by all means, um, 1989. 1989 was the very, very first season of Kids in the Hall. But uh, yeah, no. So if you uh, want to watch that, that is all up on Amazon Prime Video. Nice little Amazon Prime love up in this beige. All right, let's throw it over to Brian. If you didn't talk enough about your topic in the first part of news, you get to talk about it all now. I'll I'll try to not repeat myself much, but I am talking about sex education. Uh, I do... I, it's so funny because BJ uh, was saying, you know, he was going to talk about Kids in the Hall. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm such a kids fan. So that, that'll be that'll be really easy for us to go on. About. <laughs> but uh, you've actually watched more sex education than I have. So congratulations. I am actually. <laughs> I started watching this show back when it came out because I love Julian Anderson, who plays the uh, sort of matriarch of the main character uh, or one yes. of the characters, uh, as a sex therapist. And um, she's fantastic. I love her to death. Uh, and that was why I was interested in it. But um, at the time, that first episode just, you know, was so uh, arresting and so great that I uh, promptly stopped and didn't go back to it. So <laughs> that's totally my fault. Not a not a reflection of the show at all. Uh, however, I have been doing a better job going back now that I know that Shuti uh, Gatwa is going to be the doctor. So uh, again, it's a uh, for for resetting what the the basis of this this uh, Netflix series is is it's a uh, set in England. It is a, about a small uh, sort of English high school in in the countryside, rural England, and it is about this uh, gentleman whose name's Otis, and Otis is a very much kind of very uh, not John Waters. Uh, what's uh, uh, oh gosh, uh, Breakfast Club. Um, those kind of movies um my brain's not working who's the director who did those i keep wanting to say john waters but that's not it Crack research assistants uh that are not here uh but yes if you think breakfast club uh um any coming of age film in the 80s uh some in the 90s like uh, 10 things i hate about you actually 10 things i hate about you is very strongly influencing this series it's in that house it's in that sort of genre it's um, it, yeah. It's definitely the teen. It's the it's like, yeah. It's like the teen movie genre, but like it's it's um, it's like uh, it's it's but it's a it's a series, but it it holds that feel beautifully. Like it holds that whole kind of like it's it's almost like a it's almost like a British take on like Porky's meets Breakfast Club. Yeah, it's a very much a British cover of an American genre and initially, I mean, you know, certainly other countries can own this genre. It's not unique and specific to America, but it borrows on a lot of the tropes established by John Hughes films in the eighties. And again, some films like uh, 10 things I hate about you in the nineties. So, or two thousands, um, Otis main character is uh, very, very steeped in sex education because his mother's a sex therapist. He and his very, very good Judy, uh, whose character name is Eric played by Shudi Gatwa. Uh, are you know best friends and uh, Shudi's character Eric's very uh, very very out and open about his sexuality, uh, queer. Um, Otis is seems like pretty much heterosexual, though there's complications to that, right? Um, and falls in love or has sort of a crush on this other character who's kind of the outcast of the high school, uh, Maeve, played by Emma Mackey. Uh, and, um, from that like background, it becomes obvious after a few little incidents that 
uh, Air, Otis rather uh, is very um, naturally gifted at the uh, ability to have relationship uh, and sexual um, advice, like therapy, not in any clinical way, but as a very like you know, uh, like who used to in the Peanuts set up the little uh, complaint or uh, was it was it Lucy that would set up the little booth? Yeah, the five the five cent complaint booth. Yeah, so something like that. Uh, is what is what Eric is doing um, in high school, and it's fantastic. Each it's very episodic as far as like you know what's the problem he's going to tackle this week, but it is also a delightful serial story about these friends and their um, sexuality and how it's manifesting and who they're in love with. And and you know I know uh, BJ, you've seen further. Uh, I had heard about the complication with the uh, the bully character. Uh, who's an idiot, but very much <laughs> becomes, I think, kind of a likable idiot over time. You, he's uh, honestly, he's you. You kind of start. You feel bad for him because it, it does get established very on that, like a lot of his behavior and the way he treats Eric and everything. It's a trauma response. It's all. It's all just a cyclical sort of trauma response. And Eric definitely clocks it real fucking quick. And it's one of those things where it's like you the the best villains are always the most sympathetic ones. Um, and he's definitely an antagonist for a good chunk of the first season. Um, but his arc um, is very it's a very emotionally rewarding because a lot of the stuff with Ot- Otis is just a lovable goof. Um, he's just an absolute doofy, like you root for him because he's a well-meaning dork and Eric is just confidence personified. Um, so the, their, their friendship is like, it's, it's something that I love to see when writing for queer characters is that they do have like a best friend that is truly just their friend. Um, I think Invincible did it very well too with uh, Michael's, uh, I think it was Michael or Michael's best friend um, who's very openly gay and is also like, you suck at dating women and is, is very much his, his, uh, his good Judy. So I, I love the dynamic that Eric and Otis have, but, um, but uh, the bully um, was his name. Um, uh, Connor or Adam, Adam, Adam Adam's arc is very 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 emotional. Um so definitely keep an eye on it. It it's so well written. Um but yeah, it's yeah, he's 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 an absolute he's an absolute dumb dumb. Oh. Uh so that blossoms over the course of the series, right? And um yeah. I guess Otis and Maeve probably have their their interesting dynamics. Though they they do um I forgot her name, but she's a British actress. Uh, I probably find her in a second. Oh, Hannah Waddingham uh, plays the mother, one of the mothers of Maeve's love interest, uh, who I cannot find the actor who plays. Oh, there they are, uh, Keeter Williams Sterling, uh, who plays Jackson. And uh, I yeah. love I love ha- ha- Hannah from um, uh, Ted Lasso. She plays the owner of the the, the football team, um, and she de- de- delights. So I mean, the cast is just packed. Stephen Fry shows up, I guess, at some point. Uh, one of the guys from the Ghosts, the BBC Ghosts series. Oh, Jim, Jim Hallick. I <laughs> love Jim Hallick. He is so funny. I love him. Uh, Jason Isaacs. I mean, like it's a, it's a, it's just a solid cast. It, it, yeah. Uh, another, another, another touch point like Mean Girls. There's definitely the the Mean Girls group within the sort of extended friend group. Um, it's just it. it 
the only part okay there's only one thing i will give as, as a note and it, it only bothers me and that it's it just bothers me now that i notice it so now you'll notice it they use so many songs in this thing in this show oh, yeah. it's it's like a cw show almost but worse because i think cw didn't even use it like as often they they, they would save it for like the big emotional moments and you'd hear Paula Cole or somebody, but like this show, it is like every few minutes and they won't even use more than like a minute of the song. But like, uh, when, yeah, and when you hear it, you'll, you, when you notice it, you'll go, Oh God, you're right. So um, actually I think that that is part of that is by design. Um, oh, totally, totally just, by design. It's to channel the American vibe of those movies. It's, it's engineered. It's, it's just that once you notice it, you notice the pattern and it's just like anything else. It distracts yeah. you. <laughs> well, um, it, yeah, but it, it, some of the songs are not like, like uh, someone who is born in Europe or England, like they probably know more of the songs, but a lot of them are like cross culturally, you know, relevant. Um, I don't know. Do they, do they get better? BJ, do you, do you have less of that later? Or is that something they set up early and they kind of, back I, I mean, it's not something that I particularly notice. It's I, I noticed it initially, but for, when you when you have a story centering around a lot of high school students, have you? Do you ever remember? Okay, I mean, I might I might actually uh, this might be a jab. This might be a slight shade throw, uh -oh. but when you go to a party um, with youths um, or youths. Um, and more than two people have control of the music. That's 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 the sound. That's literally the soundtrack of the show. It's a bunch. It's a bunch of teenagers having control of the music. And I know I was really bad about this when I was a teenager. I would literally listen to my favorite verse of a song and be like, "I'm done with this." Next. So I feel like that's kind of what they're going for is the fact that. This, at its core, this show is about the kids, and the kids are all over the fucking place. So for now. me, that's, yeah, I was going to say. even a, When I was young thing, I do that now. <laughs> so it, it also could be explained somewhat by the showrunner. So it was created by this person named Lori Nunn. And Lori is literally, she was, she was born in 86. So she's very young herself. Uh, not like, you know, Gen Z young, probably guess what, Gen Y or something. But uh, millennial, right? But like just still really young. And um, I didn't have a lot previous credit wise. Um, it, it, it's got a lot of like very young talent, young creators behind it. And I like that. I appreciate that. Even though it is very much a throwback in some sense of style to a different age, you know, of these kind of movies. But yeah, I, I definitely would encourage anyone to go out, if you're, especially if you're a fan of Doctor Who and you want to get like a, you know, you can always have these every time a new Doctor is going to come out. You have a, you know, go watch some of their work and then you sort of figure out, oh, okay, I see what's going on. I think if Russell unleashes Shooty in this very delightfully queer way or or makes it ambiguous or does whatever, I mean, this is this is this is pretty and it's pretty exciting moment. I think my favorite episode so far, BJ, is the uh, Hedwig one. Not that Hedwig like factors in as much as you think it's going to, but just seeing Otis and Eric dressed up as Hedwig. <laughs> knowing like, what, they're, what they're trying to go do. And then unfortunately for better or for worse, some of the misadventures that happen, uh, it's an acting tour de force for all the characters. And uh, I just, it's such a, it's such a brilliant show. So yeah, please watch sex education on Netflix. And uh, there's three seasons. They go real fast. Um, yeah. I don't know. 
BJ, anything else? We covered, oh, no, it's, we covered it. It's fantastic. Watch it. Very nice. All right, dear listeners. One more quick plug for our website. If you haven't checked it out, go to flameonshow.com. Check out where you can find us on social media, our YouTube channel, Twitch channels, all of that good stuff. Our Threadless shop is linked there, as is our Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash flameonshow is where you can help support our show by becoming a member at one of the four levels that we have. All the way up to and including our house level where you too can join the show as a guest host on a future roundup episode. That's all at flameonshow.com and patreon.com forward slash flame on show. All right, y'all, before we sign off for this episode, we are going to do a round of one ups, the things that are giving us life, life, life in the month of May in the year 2022. Let's circle back around to Brian. What's your one up? I know we talked about this. I think I'm just, uh, I, I'm, I'm late to everything these days. Uh, <laughs> everything, everywhere, all at once. Yes. Um, was, BJ, yes. was that your first a few weeks? Uh, I don't know, last month? I don't know. I don't think so. It might oh. have been. It might maybe actually we, happen. Did, did we talk about it then? Maybe we didn't talk about it. Or maybe um, I don't think we talked about it, to be honest. I, I, I don't it may have been in the my, multiverse of movies. It, it may have been my topic. I I don't even Okay, well this, so so I won't I won't go on for long, but I will just say this. <laughs> and BJ, obviously you enjoyed it. Pat, did you see it? I have not seen it yet. Oh, you might oh have talked God. about it, BJ. Okay, maybe you have. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we need to I do my yesterday, I, let once alone everybody month. watches it, I want us to do a deep dive because it is almost it's damn near the perfect movie. It is. And that's it's funny that that's I that's a comment I've heard many times over. I, I will tell you I had very little understanding of what to expect when I saw this, other than knowing that it was dealing with the multiverse, uh, and that it was by two filmmakers who were again relatively young and uh, you know, just had a very unique style, and oh my god. It was all of that and then some. I, I had no idea that how deeply it was rooted in like a Chinese family's drama about just their lives and the generational conflicts and the queer character mm-hmm. of the daughter and how much the story was really about her and her mother and the acceptance of her mother and her, her girlfriend. Like all of this was so transformative. It is it is the perfect anecdote to nihilism in some ways. I think, I think some people will still come out the other side and be pretty nihilistic, but it head on addresses the, the chief argument of if we have everything everywhere all at once, if, if the, if the universe is a multiverse and no, no decision matters or take that away and just, you know, life can be sort of like overwhelming and we feel insignificant because all of our decisions are just washed over by life. It is the best spiritual anecdote like in, in the way that it tackles that issue and then that question and in ways of 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 storytelling that i i laughed so much at oh, yeah. the most weird moments and scenes and it, it it is probably one step too far but it is delightfully one step too far so if you have not seen it it might still be playing in your theaters it will be an Oscar nominee. In fact, I think it will win probably many, many Oscars and many awards over the course of this award season coming up. Um, everything ever all at once, go watch it however you can, and then go buy some uh, hot dog fingers and you'll be good to go. Sucked into a bagel. 
You would sing that song. Uh, that's very- <laughs> it's, it's also it reminds me how uh, underrated Jamie Lee Curtis is. Oh, so much. I need to go back back and watch Fish Called Wanda. Uh. She was trying to start a uh, a war on Twitter with uh, Multiverse of Madness. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's your one up, BJ. What have you got for us? As your so. One-up? Um, as I've been very vague about my workplace because they are literally everywhere and they own almost virtually everything, probably they own Zencaster. I wouldn't put it past them. Um, those of you that know that I live in Orlando, Florida, can probably guess who I work for. Um, but I got to do a special screening or ride through of the Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind ride. Um, it is replacing Ellen's universe of energy, the 20 minute, uh, ride of the future over at Epcot, um, guardians of the galaxy cosmic rewind. This is not an exaggeration. It is probably the best ride Disney has ever put out ever. Um, if you are a, um, uh, pass holder, I believe they're still doing early um, rides for pass holders. Uh, If not, and you will happen to be going to Epcot, get in line first thing in the morning and go, because you will not be able to ride this ride. It will be incredibly hot. Um, But the ride itself uh, takes place uh, pre-Infinity War. Um, You've got the Guardians. uh, You've got Xandar is doing a exhibition of their um, jump gate technology for Terrans or for Earth. Um, And a Celestial just is like, that looks like cool technology. I'm going to take that. Um, So the Guardians uh, hire themselves um, for Xandar to go and get it back. uh, And you get swept along for the ride. And the banter of the Guardians is beautiful um, however, the ride is a full-on roller coaster. It's a it's a dark dark ride roller coaster, um, and you are literally pulled across time. And while you're in your ride seats, uh, you start off facing backwards, and it fires you off at sixty miles an hour backwards. Uh, and yeah, and the ride seats actually shift while. So at one point, uh, you're looking at Earth. And the and the uh, you're pointed down, and the ride is moving sixty miles an hour sideways. So you're moving to your right at sixty miles an hour, and you're looking down. <laughs> you're looking down, um, and then it will shift. I, it's hard to tell when it shifts forward, um, but it is probably the fastest roller coaster on Disney property. I want to say it's definitely faster than Rock and Roller Coaster. Um, it is also the most comfortable roller coaster I've ever ridden. It is super smooth. None of that rickety track nonsense. Uh, they might as well just chuck Space Mountain into the trash um, because nobody will ever ride Space Mountain again after riding this ride. Um, so it is absolutely fantastic. They uh, they blast usually uh, some song, a retro song. Ours, uh, the first time I wrote it, it was uh, Play That Funky Music, White Boy. And then the second time I wrote it, it was one way or another. Um, so, yeah. So you can write it multiple times. Uh, Terry Crews uh, makes an appearance. So that's nice. Um, as one of, as a Zandarian uh, that is head of security and is uh, supposed to be helping you get off the ship. <laughs> and the Guardians ruined that for him. So 
Um, it is absolutely fantastic. Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind at Epcot in Orlando, Florida. You absolutely have to write it. That sounds like a blast. But I'm also sad because like I I actually do enjoy like the rock and roller coaster. It's the only up it's the only loop to loop roller coaster I go on. So rock, rock and roller coaster is still good. It's still great. And I'm like that I'll ride that. However, Space Mountain, no, it is now it is obsolete trash. Obsolete trash. <laughs> toss it toss it toss it away. It's pointless. Uh maybe I'll maybe I'll come back once uh Super Mario Land is is open in Orlando, and I can just do both things in uh, in one trip. <laughs> Limit my time in Florida. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So for me, a couple of quick things. One, this is coming out uh, on Friday, so a couple of big queer things going on in the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All Star Season Seven, the uh, Queens of All Queens edition, uh, is out on. May 20th, Haley Kiyoko releasing new music on May 19th. Um, those are huge things that I'm excited for this week and will be amazing. Just, oh, I'm so excited. In terms of things that have been giving me life, one, I don't know where I've been, but I got hooked on Try Guys videos uh, this past <laughs> week. And I utterly just adore them they are i i started watching one where it was the try guys get brazilian waxes and then fell down a rabbit hole of try guys videos uh, which is where the mayhem miller tidbit came from uh <laughs> because mayhem is friends with eugene and when they put them up in drags they actually redid the video re re revisited and re-edited the episode because i guess when they did it originally they might have been um part of BuzzFeed. And so the videos were only like eight or 11 minutes long. And now their videos are a good 30, 40 minutes. So they gave you everything. They gave you so much more, more footage. And uh, the try guys game time drunk versus high episodes are, are some of my favorites, but uh, Eugene is a, a phenomenal uh, member of the community. And I have a small crush on Ned, whatever. Uh, <laughs> on top of that, <laughs> bullshit if you have not watched this game show on netflix do yourself a favor go watch it it's entertaining as hell howie mandel uh hosts a very uh who wants to be a millionaire style game show but the object is even if you get the question wrong you have to bullshit your way to get at least one of three panelists to believe your lie so it's a little bit of who wants to be a millionaire because the top prize is a million dollars and uh boulder dash so you have to get one at least if at least one person believes your lie, then you continue on. You bank the money. You continue going. If you get the question right, doesn't matter if nobody believes you. You still move on because you got the question right. Um, it's just it's a lot of fun, and uh, just homosexuals everywhere. Homosexuals in almost every single episode. Uh, the only thing that comes to my mind is the Margaret Cho, Carl Lagerfeld uh, skit. She has the whole, of course I'm a faggot darling. I'm a flaming faggot darling. I'm fanning the flames of my faggotry. It just, like, yeah. It is amazing, and I fucking live for it. Final thing, I've brought this up a, a, a few other times, but I, and it was for other reasons, but I will die on this hill a million little things. 
is quite possibly the queerest <laughs> and most queer positive show on mainstream cable television or not even on, on, on broadcast on one of the major networks. This is an ABC show that not only is incorporated um, a gay coming out story and his journey into finding a uh, finding himself getting a boyfriend dealing with being in a long distance relationship and being cheated on. And then that motherfucker hopped on a plane and came back to, to confront this boy. I'm just saying they showed how you do it. You get on a fucking plane from France and you get your <laughs> ass back over to tell him something, but they actually have stepped foot into a trans coming out storyline handled so amazingly. I thought they were going to go the path of, you know, um, harassment and bullying and it was not played that way like I, I was a little concerned that it was going to be the trauma porn that usually comes with a lot of these um, these storylines and it was not handled that way at all it was done in such a way that a person who is a teacher being concerned turning to one of the members of the, the friend group is a um, is, is a therapist and a, a psychiatrist i forget what maggie is exactly but you know she's a she's a psychologist psychiatrist one of the two and calls into her radio show and and essentially kind of without saying what's going on using euphemisms using kind of um just illusions she gives him the advice to just kind of take a step back and watch and just because your your past trauma has colored your view of how this place is or how the school is that's not necessarily today if i walk away from an episode of the show and i don't cry it's a it's a rarity the the topics and the way that these things are handled are done in such an amazing way i mean the show literally starts with a suicide and how this ripples and impacts this entire group of people we're now four seasons in and they keep on finding ways to tackle. Essentially, it, if, if you look at it just from like the storyline perspective, it's one after school special after another because of the topics that they're covering. But the story and the way that it's being told is amazing. And again, the way that this is being done, hands down, the queerest show on television that is not just a cast of queer characters. You know, that's not, that's not RuPaul's Drag Race. You know what I mean? And this is airing weekly on ABC. So if you are of a certain age, especially, the first couple of seasons really are more geared towards people of my age. You know, one of the, I've, I've said it before, when one of the characters is like, date of birth, but whatever, whatever, 81. And I was like, oof, seeing myself reflected in, the, <laughs> in these middle-aged people on this, on this television show. Um, but as it's going on, it's also tackling things like, um, immigration, uh, deportation, dreamers essentially, and it's kind of skewing where some of these topics and these storylines can also be consumed by a younger generation that will appreciate what's being shown and told the story that's being told. So if you have not watched it, I recommend it highly. I don't think I can recommend a... A broadcast uh, big three 
show more than this one right now. So go check it out. A Million Little Things on ABC. I think it's on Wednesdays. Again, I watch it on Hulu. When Hulu says new episode, that's when I know to go watch the episode. Um, but it's fantastic. So check out all this amazing good queerness that is out there. And uh, let us know what is giving you life. Dear listeners, we thank you so much for for hanging out with us. We got another episode coming in just two weeks. Probably going to be a deep dive into one of uh, the big Marvel properties that we haven't talked about yet. You probably noticed that um, a certain Mr. Oscar Isaac and a, a certain Benedict Cumberbatch and a certain Elizabeth Olsen were missing from some of our topics. That is because those are going to be tackled in microsodes. So stay tuned. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye, bitch. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.